0: Greetings, Kabla! And welcome everyone to our fancast, where an adventurous rocket scientist, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut take an away team excursion from the Star Trek series Strange New Worlds and talk about the finale season of Star Trek Picard. We are super excited to geek out and talk about the show, so let's gear up, assume our stations, and hit it! I am playing the part of Boothby on this episode of Strange New World Fancast. My name is SP. (laughs) Joining me is a renegade starship captain who is defecting to the new Romulus nation. Her name is Bubbles.
1: Yes, please. Hello, guys. Bubbles. Bubbles.
0: And also joining us is, ironically, the sole sane Starfleet staffer, because everyone already thought he was part of the conspiracy. He's the head of Starfleet Section 35, Commander Klinger. Thank you very much.
1: It's going to be with you forever.
2: <laughs> well, it's unfortunate. They, everybody hears section and starts thinking, uh, uh, 21, thinking that we're the, the, the special ones when it turns out we're the really special ones.
0: The short, but special ones. Sure. All right. We had a phenomenal episode. I don't know if we all agree on that yet, but I think it was awesome. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Picard season three, episode five, Imposters. The game is on. And before we get started, here's a little thing for you. One of the aliases was James Cole. That is important because of Todd Stashwick and the writers and everybody have all this 12 Monkeys. James Cole was the main character in 12 Monkeys. So that was the Easter egg there. Hello, I am the in Row of the Strange New Worlds FanCast. My name is SP. <laughs> we didn't get any Wharf and Raffy in here, so presumably they're on their way.
2: And I was disappointed by that. I was actually starting to really enjoy the whole Wharf Raffy combo. Actually, that was kind of. I think that's where our mystery is now. Is what is that? Because I don't think it's just as simple as it's a changeling. Otherwise, it wouldn't have necessarily had a form.
0: But at the same time, I also am like, well, he's up and he's around and he's doing all this stuff. I recognize that he's got painkillers running through his system. But he's obviously making decisions should command have been passed back to him at this time.
1: I think the crew will all get back together next arc because they've got to be going towards the towards starbase to repair the ships and all this stuff, right? I think that's when you'll see Deanna come on. I think that's when Jordy will come on and maybe Worf will come back. And then I think they'll all be together dealing with the next arc that they have to do with.
2: I don't think you get Worf and Raffi catching up to them until you get to the final arc. They're going to be off doing their own thing trying to figure they'll stuff out. They'll be
1: surprised after they figure out what's happening at Daystrom.
2: There is a kind of a pressure wave
0: coming. It's like a graph, like a shadow graphic. And it's going from like this cloud into this orifice opening or something like that. And I think that has something to do with whatever this red stuff is that we're talking about. This red door, whatever's happening, it's in Jack's head. So I don't know how it got
2: into Jack's head.
1: Maybe Jack's not human. There still
2: could be something interesting with how jack came to be well i i think you've, you've definitely got a point where we can make a very very good educated guess as to who and what jack is and who and what's looking for him
0: i'm excited to talk about it this episode was directed by dan Liu, who has 12 directing credits starting in 2015 including two episodes of fear of the walking dead three episodes of the walking dead one episode of Kung Fu. One episode of Strange New Worlds. Do you guys want to guess which one? No. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I haven't
1: watched in a while.
0: Season one, episode four, Memento Mori, was the Gorn That's episodes.
1: Good. That was a good one. Ooh. Star Trek, bingo.
0: Two episodes for All Mankind and two episodes of Picard, this episode, and the next one. So we're going to have pairs of directors, I guess, for the rest of the season. It was written by Cindy Appel, who has one writing credit for Desperate Housewives, four of MacGyver, and five episodes of Picard, season two, episodes five, six, and eight, Fly Me to the Moon, two of one, and Mercy, and then 17 Seconds, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, and Imposter. this episode. From Desperate Housewives to Picard. That's an interesting one. There's, I believe, a few more shows, but those are the notable ones that I was able to pull.
1: That's where I learned how to backstab.
0: (laughs) That's right. I watched that for a few seasons. It was pretty good. And then Christopher B. Derrick was the co-writer. A lot of story editing credits, including seven episodes of The Equalizer, 20 episodes of Picard, most of which are story editor. And, of course, the showrunner is Terry Metallus. I believe I said that right for a change. Yes,
1: you did. Yes.
0: All right. So much good stuff. So I want to start with the Twelve Monkeys thing because you guys are probably like, "What are you talking about?"
1: I've never watched it. I've never watched it.
0: Yeah, Kirk Acevedo was a main character on Twelve Monkeys. And for those of you that don't know Kirk, he is a long-standing actor in genre. He was an actor in Band of Brothers, that notable HBO series. He was in Twelve Monkeys, Arrow, Fringe. He has a total of 55 acting credits in various shows and stuff. And he played Crin, the Vulcan gangster. So that is your 12 monkeys combination there.
1: I have seen him in fringe. That, that's, where, that's where it's. it's been a long time. since I've seen that.
2: I have to admit, I really enjoyed the idea of a Vulcan gangster who had logicked himself into believing that criminality was logical. I just, Thought the fact that he had wrapped his brain around that was quite interesting.
1: Well, you know, red, no red tape, no BS, just very logical, black and white.
2: And he was preparing
0: for Worf and Raffi, who prepared for him, who he prepared for them, and they prepared for him back and forth, back and back forth. and
1: forth. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Didn't expect us to have Worf actually get stabbed. That was, I was like, no way, no way, no. Way. Oh my god! Oh no! Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> well, I mean even after he got stabbed, you had to kind of go with the, Oh, he's faking. Right. You
0: knew they weren't just going to bring Michael Dorn in to get killed by Rafi without everybody
1: you know, else. Around. No, one's going to bring one of the main old characters back just to have you for two episodes, two or so. Episodes.
2: <laughs> Ends in a row.
1: <laughs> she went a main character, but she was amazing. I had never screamed at the, at the screen so loud. I'm like, at yelled for Sean, I'm like, oh my god! Guess who just came back? He's like, what? I was like, look, look,
2: look. I have to admit, when they were talking about a prodigal member, that my brain did not even go remotely close to that.
1: Didn't even think it. Didn't see it coming.
2: I, I did. didn't either. But the moment you see her, it makes perfect sense. It's
1: perfect sense. But you called it SB, you're like, and coming to you from, yeah, like I heard that.
2: <laughs> the insidra. Michelle
0: Forbes returns. She also played an Admiral in BSG. So I know Sean had come up with the moniker Admiral Rowe at one point in time. Michelle Forbes will always be known to me as Admiral Rowe, even though she was a commander when she came back. And I just enjoyed the whole thing. She left TNG. There's a whole story behind it. She left TNG to pursue other bigger things, which she in fact did. She did. So you can't default her. I thought
1: she was great in BSG.
0: Yeah, but it was great to have her back here. It was awesome. I didn't see it coming at all. I wish I would have because she was Picard's prodigal.
1: Yeah, she was the one that he was so proud of and then so disappointed by.
0: And I'm glad they're taking the time to tie off some of these stories from TNG because this is it. This is the last time we're going to get this crew. This is the last time we're probably going to get Picard. So you got to tie off stuff like this, some major stories like this. Got to do it. She removed most of the crew to the Intrepid to leave them with a skeleton crew. On purpose. And then they haven't seen each other for 30 years. And they go through this whole thing of, can I trust you? She doesn't know if she can trust him. He doesn't know if he can trust her. And beyond that, there is the whole animosity of her leaving to join the Marquis. Maki, I believe, is the right way to pronounce it. Maki. You had so much packed into their scenes. If you hadn't seen it before, a lot of that would have been lost on you, I think. But having seen it, this was some amazing acting and amazing scenes for Star Trek. Her death. We haven't lost a Star Trek main character since Data.
1: not a, Yeah, not since Data. And Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesis, yes.
0: And they even brought him back. And so she's kind of been it since Yar, really. So... This is a huge moment. Of course, you have the red shirts that come on for a couple episodes or whatever that leave. Yeah,
1: they don't count. Red shirts don't count.
0: But she was a main character. And this death will be talked about for decades.
1: It won't surprise me at all if before the season, maybe not now because they're in the middle of things, but before this season is ending, we'll have another Starfleet funeral. I, th- I think it will be pretty big. I hope because. I mean, it was like you said when they were at the when they were in the in ten forward when they both had phasers at each other. And they, you, they couldn't trust each other, like you said. It's been thirty years, but the emotion in her eyes and he could tell right away that it was her. So, and of course, the earring.
2: Basically, what it was coming down to is that neither one of them, the, both of them, recognized that neither one of them could fake that much pain.
1: Right. They both had hurt each other.
2: Her acting, Michelle. Forbes, I'm glad that she agreed to come back. Somebody bring
1: the woman on. Let's talk
2: to her. Well, I I also like the throw. You know, rather than just having it all be that Ensign Rowe had betrayed him, having mm-hmm. her have every standing to throw it back in his face.
1: Right, because he did. He did some dirty deeds with her too. Also.
2: Well, I think what we're also learning is is we've always had the joke about the asshole admiral, but. Now we're actually really starting to see that some of that really was true. That even she's looking at him now, having been in the inside of the deep, dark, and ugly parts of Starfleet, saying that you know you've idealized this since day one, and not you know as much as you can and should have. Not everything that Starfleet does is for the good.
1: And he was idealizing it with Jack, trying to talk Jack. You know, don't you think you would want to have more of the reputable? career he was doing the same thing with him but not only
2: that through even the three seasons we've seen of Picard Starfleet's been infiltrated by everybody you know they've got (laughs) Tal Shiar um, agents in there now that you figure out they've got changelings running around all over the place you know Starfleet isn't what we remembered anymore
0: yeah, it's kind of like growing up and you're looking back at, you know, what you idealize and you're going, That institution is not what I thought it was. And it never really was, but yeah. you had higher ideals to it. So yeah, you're you're taking a look at it. And then ends in Ro- ends and Ro- Commander Rowe, as she's flying in the shuttle, they leave her in the bombs there. She has to make a split decision and she decides the best thing to do to
1: damage the ship
0: the this point for it is to not kill the ship because shaw's crews on board but to damage it so, it
1: so they can't run
0: and then give them a fighting chance that's all she did and she knew she was dead anyway so she took that shuttle right into that nacelle and gave picard a chance
1: that was a lovely scene when that ship is rising back up
0: of oh, the
2: intrepid
1: yeah when the Intrepid was rising back up and and bringing up the shields and get ready to fire on them it was i thought that was a cool scene
2: Just pure aesthetics here, though. Am I the only one who thought the Intrepid was
0: ugly? So I originally (sighs) thought the Intrepid was another Constitution class ship. It is not. It's a Durastad ship and it has a rear facing deflector shield, which I didn't see until I rewatched it and I saw the rear facing deflector shield as it was shooting at the Titan as it was leaving. So, yeah, it's not a. Clean Constitution ship. And
1: I call it the door sill from now on.
0: <laughs>
1: it keeps on going. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to look that up because I was like, what is that? And of course, everybody online was like, yeah, it's a rear-facing deflector shield. Why do you need one?
1: You know, I, I am a tricky. I am. But I just don't pay attention to that much detail to ships. That's not my area. I'm more into the emotional part of it.
0: Me being a rocket scientist, I got it.
1: <laughs> you know, it's kind of your job, I guess. I get I get it.
2: I guess I just look forward to like the nice clean lines that they always used to come up with. And that one just seemed very, very convoluted.
0: Well, remember the first time anybody saw the Reliant, they're like, what, what is, that's not right. You know? So uh, you just have to try out new designs. I think the way they designed the enterprise for the original series is going to be the iconic way that we think of starships in Star Trek and anything else is going to be like... Okay, speaking "Eh." of that,
1: so I was noticing the other day, when you had the Enterprise, the original Star Trek Next Generation enterprises has carpet everywhere, it's got carpeted walls, it's got fish tanks, it's got couches in the ready rooms. This is a very clean-cut, boring, all-gray ship that the Titan's on. Well,
2: if you remember, the Galaxy class was an experiment to some extent. The idea of making it big enough and comfortable enough for the Starfleet personnel on board to bring on families. I don't think that the Titan, as you're seeing it, is set up for that.
1: I don't know. Jack's room is pretty big.
0: Some cruise ships have started going that way in their new mega ships, where the staterooms that the crew are in are big enough to bring on family. So, yeah, a family could live on board. But I, and I actually know somebody that does that, but... They don't have any kids. I would think raising a kid on a cruise ship would be very, very difficult. But I guess they kind of did in the love boat, right? What was her name? The kid in the love boat? You guys ever watch that?
2: I can't remember what her name is. I want to say Julie. Was it Julie? Yes,
1: the blonde girl, yeah. That was the captain's daughter, right?
2: Was it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. She always called him daddy. I hope. (laughs) I mean, I remember the love boat. Maybe there's something else that I don't remember going on there. (laughs) Who's your daddy?
2: Definitely today, if the captain had a young girl walking around calling him daddy, it might be a different story. But back in
1: the the
2: late 70s, early 80s, I I think that was pretty clean cut. Todd
0: Stashwick, talking about ship captains, Todd Stashwick, he gets his ship back, right? And he's, he's like, oh.
1: The very second. The very second,
0: I am going to turn you guys in. Although he does say, "I'm going to leave," so you guys can get your your story straight. I'm like, okay. We'll share
1: story together yeah.
0: At least they didn't uh, work around that plot hole. You're like, if you're going to court martial them, shouldn't you separate them and put them in, you know,
2: their own quarters and stuff like that? I really that?
1: loved how he was humming in the turbo lift. Because like, could you not?
2: Well, I think as much as he will probably never like those three, I think he, there's a little bit of, for lack of a better term, respect starting to build there. Especially as he's starting the to end. find out that some of his own preconceived notions may not necessarily be accurate.
0: I loved how he reinstated seven. He's like, I <laughs> yeah, I hereby <I>, <laughs> reinstate you with his hand going over his shoulders and stuff. Like he was knighting her or, or whatever, or or maybe how they do advanced degrees like doctorates or something. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious.
1: I just like his flippant attitude. It's yeah. pretty funny.
0: Well, he said, I watched some things or paid attention to his tweets. And I think he said in a tweet that that was just ad lib on the set. That was not scripted. He was not told to do that. That was a take that they did and they kept it. So that was all Todd right there.
1: So now I'm going to have to go back and look at seven spaces, see if Jerry's laughing or not.
2: She probably started laughing pretty <laughs> like, what the hard. The heck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but that, even that would work because Seven was probably looking at him going, you're being a jerk. <laughs> yeah, right. And I love the three things that he's talking to about
0: in the turbo lift on the way down. Oh, let's see. You hot drop the saucer section of the Enterprise DNA planet. You threw the Prime <laughs> Directive coming. out the window so you can snog. It. He used the term snog. So there's Harry Potter in there. Snog a villager on Baku. And you nearly wiped out all of humanity by creating a time paradox. In the Devron
2: system.
1: Which, doesn't that bring in tar- yar right?
2: No, that's a callback to the uh, last two episodes of TNG altogether.
1: Oh, yeah. Near the... All good things. All good things.
0: All good things. Insurrection, which I love it. I know people have issues with Insurrection. I love Insurrection. And I believe it's Genesis with the Enterprise being hot-dropped. Is that yes. right? Yes. Not Genesis, but Generations. Yes. So I loved how he was... Something that starts with Jen he was just throwing them in there and then i've also watched some things with todd he is a fanboy at heart i don't think you guys if you have never paid attention to him and i have never paid attention he to him cuz he's a fanboy too of all like the sci-fi stuff and everything so he's like a 6-year-old oh, fanboying about this those are things that were probably written in the script but he was probably reading them going oh i get to talk about this this is great he did tell a story about being in a store at one point with his co-star, Ian McGregor, who played, you know, Obi-Wan mm-hmm. Kenobi. Obi. Yeah. And in the store, they ran into Katie Sackhoff, or they saw Katie Sackhoff, and Todd's like, he's fanboying out to the point was I-, I can't talk to her, we need to leave. So they never actually met each other there, and it's kind of funny, so he had Obi-Wan with him, and he's got Bo-Katan, you know, <laughs> across the store.
1: Well... Being a fangirl myself, I can completely understand how you lose your capability of speaking to them like I did with Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) You you remember that story.
0: Yeah, I remember that story. At least she didn't fangirl out with anybody that we had on Voices of Defiance. Both you and Sean were both conversant the whole time.
1: No, we didn't really, I, well, we didn't ever get Jamie, so you never know. I could have, I could have completely, well, actually, I would have been pretty mute, actually.
2: <laughs> Probably just just had Shannon in the background going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have been
1: pretty mute if it was Jamie. I wish we could have got Julie Benz, but we got the girlfriend, Christy. We got Christy. And then we got Jamie's son on it. So, I mean, we had a lot of cool people.
2: Yeah, we did. I mean, do you really, do you think we could get Patrick Stewart?
1: I'd be happy to get in. Can we get Jerry Ryan? That'd be amazing.
0: I don't know. It depends on if they have another show or not. You know, Todd, there's a big petition out there right now to have another, have a fall on show with Todd. And
1: well, we know Rose dead, so let's get her.
2: (laughs) Michelle (laughs) Forbes. Yeah.
1: There's nothing else pressing she's doing on the Star Trek at the moment.
2: We talked about it last episode. I actually, at this point, just watching the interaction, I would watch a show. Based on the Titan, with him as captain and Seven as first officer. The interaction between those two, I think, would make a good show.
1: With who as captain?
2: Todd Stashwick, Shaw? Yes.
1: Yes. Well, that's how it was until Riker Picard came aboard. So, I mean, you never got to see their interaction other than the end well, of each other.
2: But getting them to a point where they have respect for one another, but don't like each other, that would be an interesting dynamic to watch them I go think through.
1: they're a ways way. Well, no,
2: no, they don't like each other, but they definitely have figured out how to have at least some respect for one another. So, once again, watching them have to work together under those circumstances, uh, going moving forward, would be an interesting show to watch.
0: I think at the end, Riker did have respect for Jellico. At the end, after they went through everything, I think at the very end, Riker had at least he didn't want to work with him, but at least he had respect for him.
1: Never liked that episode. I'd skip right past that one.
2: You also, but you're also put into the position that, I mean, and in, in all of us who are adults have been there before where you have a new boss manager or whatever comes in, who does things differently than you've been doing them for years.
1: They come in and change on purpose.
2: And it's suddenly, it, it, but it's, and at some point you kind of have to figure out how to click.
0: Well, yeah, I don't, I think Picard's had that a few times and he's just, been so diplomatic that he's
2: been able to work through it. But and that was the point with Jellico. Jellico is not diplomatic, and not in the no. least. He's like, this is the way.
1: Nor does he have people skills.
2: Which is why he preferred data as his first officer. Well Picard can
0: think he can talk his way out of anything. And I think that's what the Picard that we're getting right now. As a matter of fact, they were talking about getting court martialed and he was like
1: I'm talking to Jack.
0: Yeah, I will to anybody and I will be able to persuade people I'm like doesn't always work that way John Luke and I think he's a little disillusioned I think they need to take action maybe
2: just didn't put two and two together at that point was this his Han Solo moment I always talk my way out of all everything
1: I don't think it's going to talk his way out of this one but I think it's cool that he's trying to take the heat from Seven and Riker but okay speaking of Jack do either one of you think that all the whispers that he is hearing sound like Beverly?
0: Matter of fact, in closed captioning, does say Beverly a couple of times.
1: Did it? I didn't say it. I don't watch in closed caption, but I said, Jack, come home. I think he's hearing his mom, but why?
2: Well, I've got a pretty good educated guess. I don't know if you two will agree with me on who Jack is and whether it's Beverly's voice or not, who he's hearing and what he's seeing.
0: I did listen, and I saw the closed captioning. They are titling when Beverly talks, but it's not all Beverly. There's another voice there, and, and Jake, what's
2: your theory?
1: Yeah, there? there's another whisper there.
2: Well, let's put it this way: we have seen throughout the series of a card somebody who suddenly, when put in danger of that nature, manages to click and suddenly be able to fight better than anybody. And that was the synthetics in season one. I personally think he's a synthetic. I think what he's hearing is the same thing that Sochi was hearing in season one.
1: Like he hears the Borg.
2: I think what we're coming back to is the idea of the synthetic overlords living in the portal in space are reaching out to him. Now, I think who's looking for him is Lore. That jive. Because of the fact that he's actually a Sunian synthetic.
1: So do you think, okay, so when you're, okay. The voices he's hearing, do you think it has like anything like when Picard was hearing the Borg whisper to him?
2: no if you if you, that's why I went back and started you know fast forwarding through season one sochi was it was being directed towards being what they called the destroyer, the person who was going to bring the uber powerful tentacled synthetics in the portal over for the mass genocide of the world. I think that and and not only that but she was being directed toward the door, which was that portal, so I'm thinking that. That makes sense. Somewhere along the line that that's connected. Do I know like what all the, have I flushed out what all the details are yet? Um, No, but I think that's connected. Why are the changelings involved? That I have no (laughs) idea.
1: I think they're connected to
2: lore. I think what we're going to find out is, is that somewhere along the line, lore is what's the driving force behind all of this. I think lore is going to be our big baddie. Kryn
0: did say the enemies of the Federation. And I would say if the changeling, if there was a faction of the changelings or the Dominion that was against what had happened, I could see them teaming up with Lore, who's an enemy of the Federation.
2: But then you also throw in the fact that Lore may have motives that have nothing to do with the quote unquote enemies of the Federation. He may have simply brought all of this together in order to accomplish whatever he wants knowing that each one of these pieces has a bone to pick.
1: Well, that he has a vendetta against each one, each one of the crew members from the original TNG. So he's bringing them all together and and he's setting it up. He's like, okay, well, I can help you. Let me get them together.
0: Those violent dreams that Jack are having are freaky. Like when he was in the transporter room, he had one and then we got out of it and then he had another one. You thought you were safe and he was having another one. It was like, holy crap. And then he turned around and left to hide again somewhere in the ship. But he got found out in the hallway. He needs to learn to like, hide and stay in place. Yes, yeah,
1: that uniform didn't help him hide plain sight at all. But, I mean, what about at the end? Where, where she's, when Beverly's asking him, how'd you know they're all changelings? Or, I didn't. So you're killing people for the hell of it.
2: Well, as I said, I think he's got very similar to the way that, and I can't remember what the, other, what the twin's name was, but Sochi and uh, her sister Doshi? basically had, yes, what both had triggers in their head dodge it was dodge. dodge it wasn't dodge but both of them had triggers in their head that if they were approached and really came to a point where their life was in danger it that would they would snap off. and go off into self-defense mode which is almost exactly what he okay, did so
1: like she did in her apartment with her boyfriend exactly gotcha gotcha okay you know what i like this plan i can see it
2: so i i think we've made it pretty obvious that he is synthetic in some fashion that he's a synthetic in some fashion or form how or why he got there, i told you how or why he got there and why Beverly is involved and made him into her son and what his connection to Jean-Luc is, that's all still a mystery. But what War he is, head. I think we found out. The
0: post-credits have all these DNA things, right? All the yes. uh, the the coding for the DNA and the DNA strands and stuff. But by the way, the L-cars... So I've been watching TNG. I went back to the first season TNG. Some of, of these graphics are from the med bay in the enterprise D in TNG season one. Yeah. So they're reusing those L DNA graphics that were in the med bay. So in case you were wondering season one way back in 1987 had these graphics. So, but anyway, they're graphics of DNA. So there is something about DNA that's going on here. So maybe they're fusing DNA with a synthetic.
2: Well, whatever, whatever you know, um, unless we want to postulate that he's not nearly as old as they've made him think, that maybe he is only about seven or eight years old, which would put it in the time period in which Maddox and um, uh, Soon Junior were making their experiments. You know, th- th- this is some, this is a conspiracy or something that's been going on for twenty years. Yeah, it had been going on for a while. So why do changelings not
0: have any DNA? I mean, they're life forms. They would have DNA,
2: right? No, I, I, somewhere along the line, I'm thinking that that's part of what's evolved into them is the fact that they manage. They, no, never mind. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe they're synthetic now too. <gasps>
0: that's what they've evolved into. Synthetic.
1: Well, you, you just crack the code.
0: I mean, no, that it, it would make sense. Huh. So they can pass the blood test. They don't have any DNA.
1: No plasma.
2: Well, if you remember, it started out with Odo, who couldn't completely mimic humanoids quite that well, to them being able to at least look perfectly human. And now they've evolved to the point where they can even fill out organs and blood inside to the point. So their capabilities are evolving and have been since the beginning.
1: I still have a feeling that he jacked the changeling also but maybe he could be both
2: all three
0: changeling synthetic and human DNA
1: I think it goes back to the first episode well maybe the second episode <laughs> where Beverly was talking about if you're you know the son of Picard you have a target on your back always I mean unless he was kidnapped without her knowing about it and changed out and switched out. I mean we need what episode seven now it Over also I mean, it
2: lo- we've joked about it left and right, but we also do come back to the fact that at the time period in which they were saying that Jack was conceived, both Picard and Beverly were old. Not to say that it's this is impossible in the future. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm finding it somewhat unlikely. However, Every
1: time I said petri dish. if
2: you do start throwing in the fact that maybe, as you said, this is Petri dished and she just went oh, my God, not only is he Picard's son, but he's got all of these other things going on. There's no way his life is safe in the open. And just ran.
1: I think that's a good theory.
2: Wow, just a
0: lot of good theories. We, Shannon and I were talking, Jake, before you showed up, about how every other episode, the odd episode numbers, have been the better episodes, the episodes. like one, three, five. So... I think Shannon just mentioned we need episode seven to
1: come along so that (laughs) hurry up and come along so we can find some answers. Well, you, you, I
2: noticed something when you were talking about, you know, directors and writers, it seems like everybody's writing a two or writing and directing a two episode art so far. Yeah. So you got one that gives you all kinds of cool things and one that kind of wraps it up and makes everything go. Oh, okay.
0: I wish that they would have condensed the first four episodes. I've heard some people say three. I've heard some people say two. I'm in the two camp. You could have done everything in the first four episodes in two, and then you could have gotten today. So remember back when I was talking about how I wanted more? I think it was after the second episode. This is what I wanted. They needed to get here sooner. Now, I'm going to be watching this anyway. It took them a while
1: to get here, though. Yeah,
0: it did take them a while. I did enjoy... One, three, and five. As we went along, last week was pretty okay too. But I wish that we would have gotten here. This is what I was talking about. This is, you know, what's going on with Starfleet. What's going on with changelings? What's going on with synthetics. this is TNG. Yeah, this is TNG. This is what I wanted. So I'm glad we got here, but it just took a little bit extra
2: time to get here.
1: So now we have new conspiracy theories and new theories and. I don't think he's human. I don't think Jack is purely human.
2: Now, I will say that I really did enjoy when the captain suddenly looked around and went, you mean this isn't over? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So a uh, couple other things we had some conversations going on. I've seen conversations going on between how Picard is treating Jack versus how he treated Roe. Cause Roe, he's just like, okay, welcome back to the fold after she's been <laughs> jailed twice. Welcome back. I trust you. Let's go. Meanwhile, with Jack, it's a little bit more standoffish. Like, you didn't want to know me, so I don't want to know you sort of thing. So it's kind of a dichotomy. I think Picard's actually reaching out as much as he can to both. But what do you guys think?
2: You know, he, Picard is not the same person he was before. I mean, even just in the... Just a couple episodes. Not even a couple episodes, but the last season, just with everything that happened with Q. I mean, he went through this whole traumatic thing that Q set up once again, just to show him that he was deserving of a family.
1: Yes, I, I think it all plays in. I mean, he treated Roe like a daughter. He thought of her like a daughter. He's finding out that he has a son that's been kept from him, but I mean, maybe he feels like he's too late in his ears. I don't know, but Jack doesn't want anything to do with Starfleet. So I think he realizes that once they're dying doing whatever they're about to do to him, like Jack said, he's going to leave. So I, I think he's going to start reaching out more because I, I think he May think that's the last he's going to see of them. I do like that he said that. I hope I, hope I could be in a part of both of y'all's life. So there went my point ear and honey, but you know, who knows?
0: That's still on the table. They wouldn't have brought up Shall Talk Four without I her know. coming back.
1: I know
2: it. <laughs> I know it. Maybe it'll be him and Jack standing there uh, talking to her at Shall Talk Four.
1: Oh, oh, oh. I mean, like, there was a tweet earlier. St- SP, I was talking about this earlier. There was a tweet by a feller. A feller. I can't even speak at the moment. Feller. Fella. <laughs> feller. I'm just redneck right at the moment. You're a
0: Texas girl, aren't you?
1: I am. It showed through. Jester underscore N-E-N-E. Nini. I think what so it is. Right? She is a fellow podcaster. She does the uh, Crusher Convo podcast. I listened to a couple of them, but not all of them. But she said the funniest thing, and it made me chuckle for the longest time, you're never gonna be able to hear it back now. P. B. and J. Did y'all see that? Jake, did you see that tweet? Uh, P. B. and J.
2: I did not, but you told me about it, and it's perfect.
1: The card, Beverly and Jack, and I'm like, oh my god, that was so cool, and I'm never gonna be able to look at it another way again. So, just giving this shout out to a fellow feller podcaster. So, it was pretty cool.
0: A couple of the sci-fi shots that I thought were really cool was when they were repairing the Titan, you had all those individuals that bots. were flying around. It looked like ants that were swarming the around the Titan, just like you would at a picnic or whatever. And It they were reminded
1: like, me of the bots of Farscape.
2: Oh, yeah, that too. Well, I, I, we finally now have seen that, yes, they actually do use repair gen- drones. I mean, they were using them in this Discovery. I would like to think that they've managed to come back around to them by now.
0: I will refer to that series as Disco from now on. <laughs> so when the intrepid was hit it went down off the plane which in space probably wouldn't have happened it would probably backed off because of the concussive disc of the explosion but yeah. it wouldn't have gone down okay we'll get over that rocket science cool but it went down and then it came back up like oh you did not do that and it was coming up and it was like the bully that was gonna Towering start slugging up. yeah i love that scene that was great it was it's a big talked about scene it was one of it was after Roe, you know, had hit them in the nacelle. They were going down, but they were coming back up. And they did fire off torpedoes. They were still operational. They were going after the Titan.
2: Well, the only thing that uh, d- damaging the nacelle did was make it, them incapable of going into warp. That didn't necessarily make them incapable of fighting.
0: Right, because the warp core is still intact.
2: Yeah, I mean, they definitely have power. They have weapons. They, and they have impulse engines. They just lost their ability to go into warp. So all she did was make it so that they couldn't chase them.
1: Which Which was the purpose.
0: Yeah. So now there's two ships that can't chase them. Shrike and now the Intrepid.
1: Maybe they'll run into each other.
0: Oh, the Shrike is coming back. Of course it is. coming back. They don't get her for that role and, and just leave her in the nebula. They
1: didn't even kill her. She just got bumped a little bit.
0: Talking about the nebula, did you guys hear him talking at the very beginning? It was during one of his Jack's dreams where he went up to the bridge and he killed everybody. But they were talking about, yeah, we collected some of that bio from the nebula for studying later on. So, yeah, they're, they're really into that.
1: More bio, more yeah. DNA.
0: <laughs> Let's get to how do, how do these people procreate? We need to know. Hubba, hubba.
1: Why do you think he was dreaming of killing the bridge crew?
0: I don't know. He's thinking about killing everybody. I think
2: that he is being torn apart by two things. I'm going back to my synthetic theory and the connection with like the one. big tentacled baddies in the sky.
1: I like that with the bridge office, I don't know her name. When she's like, I know what you are. I think that was a big clue.
2: Am I the only one who saw a callback to Galaxy Quest in that moment, though? When no. the guy walks in at the end and he's, got, he's been, made himself look like the uh, Tony Shaloub and just starts shooting everybody?
1: <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen that movie.
0: Okay, so Raffi and Worf finally get their thing, their device, their MacGuffin from Kryn, and now they're going to go to the
2: Daystrom Station Institute. The flawed AI protecting the Daystrom Institute? Can we say lore?
1: I was wondering how long it'd take uh, you to say.
2: <sighs> okay.
1: You got him. You got him right there.
2: So
0: it's a station controlled button. <sighs> wow, that sucks, actually giving lore command of anything is going to suck
2: well starfleet as you see it now can you see them not thinking oh we can repurpose lore and we can control this this would be awesome
0: what if we've been thinking too much about lore what if lore is is simply the ai and that's all we're going to get here
2: well actually i just thought of something else An, an actual true artificial intelligence that we know is coming that we haven't seen yet moriarty
1: I was, about to, I was just about to say it. You still got, you still got him, which, I mean, they may. he's going to probably be the big baddie that, again, none of them are going to be willing to see at the end, the end. I'm
2: still going with my theory that Moriarty is going to be used as a weapon against Lore simply because Moriarty was created to be something that could defeat Data. That makes sense.
0: But the one thing that's reeling me back on it is that in the post-credit scenes, there's just that one... Scene of 10 forward in the holodeck and the safety protocols off. And Picard did that in this episode. So, we're actually, we're running out of stuff that's in the post credits scenes. We've got the Starfleet Museum. We have another star base and we've got that graphic. Why'd he do that? Because he wanted to be able to shoot her.
1: Oh, sweet. So he, yeah. He took the, okay. He took it off.
0: Yeah. I was wondering what Picard had asked Seven to do. And because the first time I went through it and I saw it the second time, I'm like, Oh, seven.
1: Pudman uniform
0: brought Jack the uniform. So he's sitting in the conference room with the uniform going, Oh no. Oh no. And he puts it on anyway, because
1: him- waiting to happen.
0: But I think another thing that he asked her to do is plant that phaser and ten forward, because I don't think you
2: can bring in stuff that's going to kill or I don't think, no, but he, he, it's basically a complete copy of guidance bar 10 forward. And you know, that Guinan keeps a weapon behind the bar. Because
1: so she did. What he she did had a is shotgun it, in the
2: So basically, that was a replication of her behind-the-bar phaser that when he turned off the safety protocols, made it lethal. Yep. All
0: right. So you guys think Raffi and Worf are going to
2: go to Daystrom here next episode? Well, I think you were probably going to get... Well, let's put it this way. Efforts are going to start being coordinated next episode for no other reason.
1: I'm just saying that number seven is going to be the best out of the two. We're going with the odd numbers here.
0: So, question for you guys. Are Riker and Picard still rooming together?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would really love to see them back on the lower decks. <laughs> it's kind of like, couldn't we at least get a back better bunk? on the bunk, bunk beds? <laughs> I mean, most of the crew is gone. So. I was going to say, maybe most of the crew, that actually would be a good joke for them sitting there on the bunk beds again going isn't there at least an empty cabin now?
1: It would be a good... It would be. I think it... I could see that right now waiting for Deanna to come on, on board. Riker being all worried about it, and he's you know, like, oh my gosh, she's going to be so mad at me, so mad at me.
2: Well, actually, the, the what could be funny is Deanna actually walking in and finding them on the bunk beds going, well, you two look chummy.
1: This explains a lot.
0: So I was thinking about when Deanna is going to come, and I, I'm thinking it's actually going to be next episode. Why? Because... They're now, they, the ubiquitous they, are now coming after the Titan. Everybody's coming after the Titan. What is one thing that they're going to do? They're going to try to scoop up anybody that's important to Riker and Picard and anybody else that's on that ship.
1: They need to circle the wagon.
0: Yeah. think they're going to try to get Deanna and any other family members. They're probably going to get Deanna first and then LaForge
2: well I I think part of the conflict is is that they're going to head towards the museum to find Laforge and Laforge is not going to be willing initially to help them. I believe that too. Why the all the reasoning's why I I mean I'm sure you can come up with 6 million of them but I think he he's not going to be willing to help them and he's going to be arguing with his daughter about staying with them.
1: Right because we've I've, we've actually seen that one. I've seen that one, haven't you?
2: Well, we've seen it in the previews to some extent, but I think he's asked her really Why what, you want to stay. Yeah, I think, I think at this point, somewhere along the line, when they come to him and ask him for help, I, I don't even think they're going to be going to suck him up and, and try to protect him for whatever's going on. I think they're going to be going to him for help, and he's going to initially at least tell them no.
1: Well, he has extra ships.
0: So I was thinking about that. So there's the Frontier Day. Is that what it's called? Frontier yep. Day? Yep. There's Frontier Day, and the fleet is assembled, right? And I think, Jake, you were talking about before that there's going to be a big... You know, let's go after Earth or something like that. I think they're going to need another fleet to combat that fleet, and they're going to take it out of mothballs from the museum. That's what I think the fleets yeah. are. I
1: don't think you'd mention the fleet so many times if it wasn't going to be used. I mean, the museum.
2: I still want to see them put seven on the bridge of the uh, the uh, Voyager if they, if they got that one mothballed. They do.
0: The Voyager is on the roster should, of the you ships. You see the credits. Yeah.
2: There was one piece of suspension of disbelief that I didn't go for, though, when it came to characterizations of people who are off screen. I don't see Admiral Janeway as being the type that would hide behind her gatekeepers.
1: I don't either.
0: I don't think so either, but I haven't seen Prodigy, and I need to, because I've heard it's actually, but I thought it was a little kid's show, but I've heard it's not, so I need to watch that.
2: Uh, but, But just the pure and simple idea that Somebody from Starfleet Intelligence in that fashion can't find a back channel to Janeway. Janeway's got to have something of that nature. There's no way that she's just sitting in her office with her yeoman being the only person who you know vets everybody who gets to. And
1: speak I to think her. the fact that she knows them, I think she'll answer quicker.
2: Unless she's been replaced by a changeling, uh, exactly, or they've literally got her flat out held prisoner in some fashion, or form or the other. But if she's just Basic average everyday Admiral Janeway, that explanation as to why she's not involved. Now, I'm sure the actor, you know, wasn't available or something of that nature, which is why we haven't seen her. But with that said, the explanation story wise as to why she's not involved, I didn't buy it. Kate McGrew has been voicing her character over on Prodigy.
1: Yeah, she does. Yeah.
2: Then once again, why, why somewhere along the line we, we can't even get her on a view screen? You
1: know, yeah, but who says we can't?
2: I don't I'm not buying that that character would be that easily shuffled aside.
1: I think that they mention characters for a reason. And I think when they do a name drop like that. I mean, they didn't mention Jericho, right? So they name dropped her.
2: Yeah, but nobody likes Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> they at least know, like, and respect her.
1: Which means he wouldn't be compromised, right?
0: Yeah, and there's Harry, Kim, as well. I mean, there's a lot of characters that are out there that I don't know if we're going to see him or not. I really would like to see Will Wheaton on the screen. I know he's doing the ready room, so I have no idea if he's like doing it under the guise of, yeah, I appear in another scene, or if they just put him aside at the end of Picard Season 2. I don't know. I want to see him.
2: I sincerely doubt we'll see him, considering the fact that the actor is often a stoned haze somewhere along the line. But <laughs> I think, considering the fact that they're going up against changelings, I would love to see Cisco come back.
0: I
1: now,
2: yes, that would be good.
1: I wasn't a big DS Nine, but wasn't he involved in all of that? Right, the Dominion War.
2: He was, but if you've ever seen the actor interviewed since then, he is so off his rocker on mushrooms and weed that or at least let's put it this way that was several years ago but he's gone he actually became his character actually
0: became part of the prophets at the end of that whole thing
1: right so he became yeah, one but
2: they did i think somewhere along the line that they've been some sort of canon that he has come back at some point i don't remember where that came from but i think i remember him having become back at some point
0: It'd be nice to see Kira again, but I don't know if uh, Nana Visitor, I believe is her name. I don't know if she's available now or not.
2: But those people were front and center in the Dominion War. They're the ones who came up with all the protocols for finding, hunting, and and clearing out changelings. So it would be interesting to see one of them come back. Well, I mean, the only person you do have who was involved in that completely Worf. is Worf. So even if they give like a callback in some fashion or form, I know they've given a slight callback to Odo, but Somewhere along the line, just (laughs) I'd love to see more of that come back just in the idea of, uh, hey, we need people who are used to fighting changelings. There was a callback to Mourn because he was on
0: the list of associated villains that it was not stated. You'd have to actually see it on the screen. And by the way, the other 12 Monkeys callback or whatever Easter egg is Sneed was played by the co-star of 12 Monkeys. Aaron Stanford. He was the, <laughs> the James. He was. Yeah. He was James Cole. He was the co-star on 12 monkeys. So it's kind of funny. There's a lot of 12 monkeys As matter of fact, if you look in wiki alpha memory, alpha, they show a whole list of people that are associated between 12 monkeys and star Trek. So yeah, now it just gets bigger and bigger with this series.
2: And I was wondering why, at some point, why we weren't getting a callback to Quark in any fashion form or the other. Then I remembered from Lower Decks, Quark has, in fact, gone semi-respectable, opening up a chain of Quark's restaurants in just about every Starbase.
1: Well, he wouldn't be down, in, down there, would he?
2: No. Cork parting it out with the Grand Nagus somewhere along the line.
1: Wouldn't be seen anywhere on Talus.
0: Yeah, but his nephew should be in Starfleet by now, right?
2: True. Well, no, his nephew... We should actually be an officer by now. He was in Starfleet by the end of DS9. He was just, I mean, he was an ensign by the time I was. Right. He should
0: be in command somewhere like a commander or lieutenant commander or something like that by now.
1: So many questions. So many things.
2: It would be funny to see the, like the one Ferengi captain captaining (laughs) Starfleet (laughs) ship.
1: That's something you definitely wouldn't expect to see, right?
2: Man, the Ferengi
0: have come so far since the first season of TNG.
2: You have to admit that it was somewhere along the line, if you suddenly, you know, the view screen opens up with a communicator and everybody just stands up and goes, Nog? <laughs> what if it was the
1: same Ferengi that Crusher had to, like, Play with his ears with.
2: I'm
1: not <laughs> oh God! Oh yeah, it's you. Sorry.
2: <laughs>
0: Another funny moment from this episode is when they bring in Ensign LaForge to identify the body, and that it is not indeed her. That she, <laughs> she doesn't even respond; she just throws up.
2: <laughs> and, and Beverly's response was, "I'll take she it, it? It? No.
0: <laughs> and then <laughs> afterwards, she comes back up, so she obviously steps through the throw up again to view the body later i was if you watch her positioning it's like you must have stepped in it
2: <laughs> well no i mean they probably they probably got like they, there's probably some sort of medical evaporator of bodily fluids in uh sick bay somewhere along the line medical bot with that said the fact that both doctors not even beverly but both doctors just kind of looked at her, shrugged and went back <laughs> to business
1: isn't it funny don't you find it funny how the that the trill doctor that's she's like the main doctor here, but she just quietly stepped aside, let Beverly take over everything. I mean, I know Beverly was the the chief medical officer on, you know, for Starfleet, but still that's her ship.
0: Dr. Oak and Captain Shaw, when Beverly asked, can we have a second? They just moved aside. I'm like, really? I would not see the commander. Yeah. Well, not only that, but there is a couple of unbelievable moments. And that was an unbelievable moment of like, can we just have a second? And they just leave
1: like the first unbelievable moment that I saw was when Shaw was brought in for surgery and she just kind of like swiftly moved the doctor over step aside. Let me get in here. Right. Crusher would have never let that happen in her on her sick bay, on the enterprise. Never.
0: So we said it at the beginning of the episode. You guys like this episode? How would you rate it?
1: Pretty high. I like,
2: oh, you know, eight and a half to nine out of ten. It is so far my favorite. I know I loved
0: all of the callbacks because I'm big into world building and stuff like that. So episode one is still pretty high, but this is my favorite so far.
1: I think we still have a, a ton of questions that we need answered, but I think we're getting there. I think we're finding out a little bit more about Jack and Jake. I really like your theory on him because it drives. Well, I don't think he's all human.
2: Is it possible that this is way off? Obviously, of course. but What he's doing, and as I said, I went back and did a whole lot of like skimming back through season one of Picard. What's going on with him tracks almost directly with what was going on with the two young lady synths in the first uh, season, as they were figuring out who and what they were.
1: Wouldn't it be funny if, now at the end of it, she finds that both her son and her ex, well, ex whatever, are synthetic? Because Soji was she was synthetic, right? She was Lord. She was the daughter.
2: This also may, as as we said before, an attempt to kind of mix the idea of synthetic and biological. I mean, what you figure out in Star Trek Disco, uh, when they're in the future, that they have tried mind transfer into synthetic bodies before and have had very difficult times getting it right. But at the same time, that I mean, let's put it this way, there were only f- very there were very very few recorded opportunities of having gotten it right so this is definitely something that's been experimented on in star trek lore but you know maybe this is an experiment to mix the synthetic and the biological
1: i think the word biological has been mentioned enough
2: well the other part about it is is you may have also hit on something that hadn't occurred to me that the thing of mixing that synthetic and biological may not necessarily have been human and starfleet this may have been something coming from lore the changelings uh maybe something to do with god forbid please don't bring back in the
1: borg i think it would ruin it they brought the borg in i mean i know they mentioned i I know you mentioned it but it's dead it's i'm done with it i'm done with it i don't want to see it again
0: the next episode is called bounty i have not at this moment as we were recording friday night have seen a synopsis of it Apparently on the ready room, they played a preview clip that I haven't seen yet, but I have not seen a synopsis of the bounty yet. So we don't know what's
2: coming unless you all have seen it.
1: I don't read any of them. I haven't seen it. I like to be surprised.
2: No, but I mean, you can make an inference that it has a lot more to do with figuring out why they are hunting down Jack. I mean, it's an inference that can be made. I don't know if that's accurate, but.
1: I think something has been embedded in his DNA. Some kind of weapon that they are trying to track down and don't really care about him. They want what's been given to him. That's my theory.
0: I think Beverly's going to find out what's going on with Jack or help him try to figure out what's going on. I think that'll be a key thing. And I'm glad he opened up to his mom. Like it's something's wrong and I think he's going to tell her because she already knows he's not sleeping. So why aren't you sleeping? I've been having bad dreams. I've been having these visions. I can see all that coming up.
1: I think we're going to have an alien moment at some point where something that's going to pop out of his stomach and it's not going to be the real him and then that's going to be the real him i think we're going to have an alien moment because i don't think that's really him and i think you're right i think beverly's got to come to the to the meat of it
2: or maybe he melts down into one of those big piles of goo that we've been seeing from the changelings
1: bacon
0: so it's funny that you mentioned pop out of the stomach because commander reddick remick in season one of tng that was the Starfleet takeover thing with the bugs that were taking over, and Commander Reddick was the remick. The little was,
1: scorpion thing that went in the yeah, mouth?
0: but he had the big one in his stomach, so it came out and it basically exploded his old body and stuff like that.
1: I tell you, if, if they go that route, you know that's got to make the doctor, the one that's a trill you get, that's got to make her shiver. Cause...
2: Yeah, because she's got a she, <laughs> she's
1: got one in her tummy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, not necessarily. We don't know that she's a bonded trill. They don't all do that. Yeah, fair. I think she is, though.
1: She seems pretty comfortable in her own skin at the moment. <laughs> well, actually,
2: if she is another disappointment of mine, which will be the fact that if she is, then that symbiote should have known a whole lot more about medicine than it should. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, like any each there's plot holes that, that geeks like us pick up on pretty quickly.
2: I think that was nothing more or less than an opportunity to bring back in how awesome Beverly Crusher is.
1: Oh, of course. Why? I'm like, look, if she was like, I'm going to come back, but but I want to be badass. Then yeah, that's she's been pretty, pretty cool so far. Other than the whole lying thing. I'm not a fan of that.
0: Nothing against Gates whatsoever. But I really, with the close ups, this episode was noticing the work that w- had been done on her face that y'all had been pointing out. And I was comparing that in contrast to Michelle Forbes going, oh, wow. <laughs> Totally different.
1: When she hasn't had any work done.
2: See, that, unfortunately, with my profession, that's something I can't help but see. I, but yeah, so the first time I saw Beverly, that was the first thought that unfortunately went through my head was, ooh, she's had work done. Oh, was
1: the pretty ones. I mean, she didn't need it done. She didn't need it.
0: Right. Well, I'm out of things. What do y'all got? No, it, that's what I got. All right. We're going to come back next week. We're going to talk about Bounty. If you, listener, have anything to tell us, please get a hold of us. My email is probably the best way to send an email to Stargate Pioneer at Gunnageek.com. That's G-O-N-N-A-G-E-E-K.com. And I will put that in the show notes. Or you can tweet directly to Shannon on Trek underscore worlds with an S. And those are the two best ways to get a hold of us. You can come to my Discord server as well, gunageek slash Discord, and join the conversation there. There's been a lot of conversation in the spoiler channels there. Nobody wants to spoil anybody. That's the good thing: is that people are not wanting to spoil this for anybody else because it's so good. And this is
2: the this end. episode was amazing. Well, they've done an excellent job this uh, this uh, season of setting up a. One hell of a mystery. I mean they've they've done a good job of that.
1: I mean, did either one of you see Roe coming?
2: No. But season season one, they tried to make it mysterious and kind of, and I and I have to say, kind of probably missed the boat a little bit on that one. Season two was more of a trying to figure out what Q's motives were. This is actually set up as a very good mystery. I'm I'm enjoying that mystery. I'm enjoying getting the little bits and pieces every. Episode. Now, I'll admit it leaves me wanting desperately more the moment I see the credits come up, but I'm enjoying that they're doing a good job setting up a mystery.
0: There's so much good going on on TV right now. I haven't watched it, but The Last of Us is on right now. You have The Mandalorian season three, I think, is on right now.
2: By the way, The Mandalorian and Last of Us are basically the exact same story. Just one of them is Pedro Pascal with a little green alien, and the other one's Pedro Pascal with a little girl. So, it's better than that, it's basically the same thing.
1: So, baby, we got a baby Yoda look like is way better than the, the little girl.
2: You've got the Bad
0: Batch also in the Star Wars genre, just closing up their season with the next couple of episodes. The Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus is out there too. So, lots of good TV on right now that's streaming, and I just can't wait to get it to it all because I haven't seen... Everything. Uh, Somebody sent to- a
1: message on Trek World uh, the other day. By one of my friends, she's like, Oh my God, she did not like the, the Mandalorian episode that came on. Right. And I didn't watch it, but I only watched the last couple of minutes with, with Katie sackoff on it. But she's like, I'm so happy that, you know, coming off of this episode that sucked. And then I found an episode of a car that was awesome. So I'm like, Yeah, Star Trek's better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I won't go that far.
1: Come I'm kind on, of- the Trek, he's got to put it in there.
2: I would argue with her that the last episode of Mandalorian sucked, but that being said, Hey, we all have our opinions.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Your opinion is valid. I'm not going to invalidate. I, don't know. I mean,
1: it. the dog fight with Katie Sackhoff is pretty cool, but that's because I'm a Katie Sackhoff fan.
0: Yeah. I think she's bringing a certain gravitas to that whole thing and storyline that needs to go further. Especially if you've watched the Clone Wars, which is the cartoon that was about Star Wars. I think they're, starting to bring stuff together because they realize they have to in order to placate the fans. So, yeah, looking forward to that.
2: Well, I mean, you could argue, and it, the argument has been made, that what John Favreau and Dave Filoni have been bouncing around the Star Wars universe doing is trying to, for lack of a better term, fix what was wrong with a lot of the movies.
0: Yeah, I have some thoughts that I'll share with you after we get out. How about that? I agree. I Okay. do... You guys ready to go? Ready to go? Absolutely. Bye. All right. See everybody
1: next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye. I said it. Okay.
0: (laughs) This has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast P3 Edition. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at Strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds and the Picard final season. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at StrangenewworldsFancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking us out at com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Most of the plot lines that we're dealing with are from Season 1 of TNG. I can definitively say that after watching TNG.
1: <laughs> well, they've already talked about Farpoint.
0: Well, yeah, there's Farpoint, there's... The whole lore thing that was season one. I mean, I could go through all of them, but yes, all of the main plots that we're dealing with were season one plots.
1: Matter of fact, if you think, if you look at Picard season one, there's nothing in season two that was connected to season one.
0: No, but that was that was a separate season. It was a standalone season.
1: It was a bad writing. I didn't like season one at all.
0: I think the only reason they had season two was to say farewell to Q, and they had filming constraints and stuff like that anyway are you guys ready to go because i am we had somebody ready to go to a party tonight going out on the town she's trolling tonight you know
1: what yes i haven't gone out (laughs) since the incident is that really an illness is that wasn't an accident since the incident i don't know what you call it since my brain exploded
0: so shannon you gonna let your girls drink some green beer before you guys go out
1: mm okay, that's not here. So it's just, she's going to be Sean and Carrie tonight. So I doubt she's going to be green.
0: Oh, you're going to, I thought you were going out with Sean.
1: No.
2: So you're leaving him <laughs> at home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sean doesn't leave. Sean doesn't leave the house.
2: And the worst part about it is Sean's probably sitting there going, which is where I wanted to be in the first place.
0: He told yeah. me this morning that he was going to get drunk tonight. So I guess he's just going to get drunk at home.
1: He ain't going to get drunk. Huh? He's just, the last time he got drunk, He couldn't even function. Okay. He laughs at the TV when there's nothing on. He can't. He's such a lightweight. He's such a lightweight. And you can tell him I said exactly that.
0: Energize.